my job is high stress. You know what I mean? Like I don't like I have like great days and I have days where I want to go home and cry. And <laughs> but I don't, you know what I mean? So the fact that once I went back and it was very hard to go back because um, you know, just someone else was like running my store and I had to fix a lot of stuff and it was very stressful and the entire time I'm like proud to say that I did not once think about buying Chardonnay so I don't know it's like it's just like a complete like mental switch in my mind that happened which I'm really proud of and happy about. Hi friends and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. The universe had a funny way of stopping my next guest in her tracks. Well, it actually wasn't haha funny, but you'll understand soon. She had been in burnout mode for years as she worked nonstop to earn a promotion. And after finally getting the promotion she hustled so hard for, she found out she was pregnant with twins. You think that would have slowed her down? Nope, not one bit. She kept going at the same rate while growing not one, but two babies. And then get this. After she had her twins, she returned to work only 10 short weeks later. She was barely sleeping, not taking care of herself and running off fumes. She continued to live this way for the next three years. In 2020, when the pandemic hit, she was on the verge of losing her job and all the stress that had been compiled year after year was coming to a head. She was on the verge of a mental breakdown. Her mind and body had had enough. They were exhausted. She was at her rock bottom and had no solution in sight. Then something magical happened. She fell and broke her leg. Her break would require surgery, which would leave her unable to walk for 14 weeks and off work for five months. Finally, it was her time to rest. During that time, she reevaluated her priorities, hired a confidence coach and dove into therapy. She started to rebuild her self-worth and started to love herself again. She says that breaking her leg was one of the greatest blessings because it has allowed her to change her course and start living in her purpose. She has quite the story and I cannot wait to dive in. Please welcome my next guest, Christina Wyrick. Welcome. (laughs) Hello. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Okay. So I want to know, can you take us back to the time when you were hustling so hard for your promotion? What was the motivation behind that? Well, we'll do a long story short, but the father of, well, he's my fiance now, but back then, me and Chad kind of had like a whirlwind romance. We met and like instantly fell in love and moved in with each other. And then um, he has like a drug background. Um, I struggle with alcohol. He struggles with drugs. So he um, 
got into a car accident when we were together and then he started taking pain meds again, which triggered like this, like spiral of just using. So he just was all, all he ever, all he wanted to do was use and use and use. He like lost his job, all this stuff. So, and even while I was, he was trying to get sober when I found out I was pregnant, but I found out he was still like using when I was pregnant, which really like devastated me. So I honestly felt like I was going to be a single mom. So that's really what drove me to just keep hustling. Cause I'm like, well, I have to take care of twins by myself. Like, cause I was just convinced, like if me being pregnant can't help him stop, then I'm not sure anything else will. So that's kind of the story behind the hustle. Wow. That is this quite the story. So you say he is your fiance now. So obviously things change. When did things start to change for him? When did he start to, I guess, get his, it was like, control? well, I think too, part of it was, I felt like he had never had any consequences for his actions. Like, you know, he caused so much like emotional distress to me, especially when I was pregnant. Like I even went through all this crazy nonsense of him being paranoid that like they weren't his and all this like drama with like his family. So I felt like in order to like kind of give him perspective, I didn't let him be in the room when they were born. So he waited in the waiting room. And I think that was like really like a turning point for him because I was like, I wanted my mom there because my mom was like the one helping me the whole time I was pregnant, like while he was off, like doing whatever he was doing. I don't know. I don't really like to even talk about it. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But so once he did see the girls that's what really changed his life and so ever since the girls have been born he hasn't used so then he started it was like me and the girls moved in with my parents too and he worked on like getting sober and like getting a job and saving money so that we could like buy a house together. So then, so during all that time, while he did that, like I was working hard and paying for everything for these two kids and taking care of them. Obviously, like with the help of my parents, thank God for them, because I don't know how I would have done it without them. But I think being away from us, you know, like he would come visit on the weekends, just kind of like he wanted to be a family. So becoming a family became more important than drugs. So then we eventually two years later moved, bought a house and like moved in together once he proved to me that like he was serious and like he wasn't going to do drugs anymore. So. So that whole time, the first couple of years of the girl's life, then you were not would you not consider yourself in a relationship while he kind of worked on himself or were you still connected and committed to each other, but giving him the time to work through that? How did that kind of work out? 
So it's kind of like, I mean, we talked every day and he would come on the weekends. I don't, we never really had like a discussion where we were like, we're back together. I think it just kind of was like, that's what we were working towards. And I think I would like officially say we were like a family and back together when like we moved in. But I mean, I wasn't like dating other people or, you know what I mean? Neither was he. So there definitely was like, that underlying there. Well, I don't even know I how wanted you could... to be with him. <laughs> right. And I don't even know how you would date anybody raising twin girls. And then you jump back into work 10 weeks later, still hustling. So how did you survive like those first years? I have one. Lots of coffee. <laughs> Lots and lots of coffee. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know. I think it's just like, I even sometimes sit back and think that maybe I had a little bit of like postpartum depression, but I was just too busy. You know what I mean? It's just like, I just went. There wasn't really a choice. It was like, okay, like I need to become a manager. This is a goal that I've had. Like I'm going to do it anyways. And so I just grinded I don't know like it just and then went home and took care of kids and barely slept and it just it is what it is I mean I don't know how I did it I just did it so just because the when you have twins honestly the first year is like a blur because it's just thank god for like Facebook memories because it's just like (laughs) I honestly like barely even remember like the first year Cause it's just so like nonstop. Mm. So looking back, uh, is there anything that you would have changed in the beginning or are you kind of happy with where things led you to? Well, I'm a firm believer. Like what Ed Milet says is everything happens for you, not to you. So I don't, I don't regret anything. I mean, if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through with Chad, if I would have left earlier, like, you know, I wouldn't have my daughters and I don't know. I love my daughters. So, I mean, definitely they give me like a different perspective in life. So, I mean, like you said, I, everything I've done up until this point has like led me to where I'm supposed to be. And it, I might not be like, here interviewing with you and like working on my purpose if all that bullshit didn't happen (laughs) you know what I mean 100% (laughs) yes and you okay so Chad came back into your life I guess you and the girls he was always in it but actually got back into your relationship two years later but you continued to hustle you said for three years after the girls were born. So there was still another year that you went full tilt. Was that just something that you kind of just ran into and and kept going? Or was there still that those feelings or thoughts behind thinking that you could possibly be on your own providing for the girls without any support? Like, why did you keep going full tilt a full year later? Um, I definitely think that 
me and Chad dealt with a lot of issues the first year that we were back to like living together because I held a lot of resentment and fear. You know what I mean? Because I was a little resentful of the fact that like, you know, while he was saving money and getting sober, he got nine hours of sleep every night, you know? (laughs) I was like, you know, the one barely sleeping and taking care of them all the time. And he just got to like come visit on the weekends, you know? And then there was a lot of like, money issue and talk like he's like well I bought this house and I'm like well you wouldn't have bought the house and saved the money for the house if I didn't like buy all the freaking diapers and you know figure out a way to get government aid to like get formula for twins you know what I mean like all these things so it's like I don't know I just dealt with like a lot of a lot of resentment which I had to work through myself which I think also like part of my story too during this time when we moved back in together I kind of started um drinking a little bit I mean not all the time but you know like if I didn't have to work the next day when everybody went to sleep like I used alcohol to like de-stress and kind of like numb myself from like all this like hustle and nonstop and the resentment that I held towards him that I wasn't like dealing with. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where I was at at that time. So then the pandemic hit in 2020 and everything yes. that's been compiled for all of these years, your resentment running on fumes, hustling every day, not taking care of yourself has presented itself to you. You're on the verge of losing your job and on the verge of a mental breakdown. So can you take us there? What was going through your mind and how did you deal with and work through all of the stuff that was happening all at once? I was very, well, let's just say that if I'm a retail manager, so an essential worker per se. So we had to still go to work while everybody else was like freaking out and staying home and working from home. It was very stressful for us because none of us knew at that time, like what any of this meant. So before that had happened, obviously, like I'm already exhausted, tired, like not taking care of myself. So then nobody, and I'm a codependent person. I love taking care of people. Like it fills me up. So I give so much of myself to others and like my employees are like my family and I love them. So like when they couldn't find like toilet paper and they couldn't find eggs. And so I was like spending my days off too, like trying to like find things for like all of us you know what I mean and like sharing it and so you know it was just a weird time it was like we were out no one could buy toilet paper and like are we all gonna die you know what I mean so like we're all like super stressed out like now we know what it's about but in March of last year like we had no idea what any of this meant we just heard like pandemic and you think back to like 
the last one where like millions of people died and you're just like freaking out. So my company like allowed people to like stay home if they wanted to, because they were afraid. So I had like, and they would still get paid. And so like, I had about, I'd say like 12 to 20 people at once decide that they were not coming to work anymore and they were going to stay home. And so I was like fighting, like already on empty to like keep my store open, running with nobody. (laughs) And it was just like, so after like years of not taking care of myself and now I'm having this pandemic of chaos, like, you know, and then I decided one night because I was so stressed out that I was going to like, you know, turn to wine because that's what I clearly was doing these days instead of like, you know, maybe taking a yoga class or (laughs) doing something to like de-stress myself. I came, drove home and got wine per usual. And, um, I, was so exhausted. I think the combination of stress, exhaustion, and Chardonnay, I just fell and broke my leg. I like basically tripped. And I thought the night that it happened, and I was like, oh, I just sprained it. It's fine. But, you know, I'd like been drinking. So, like, drinking numbs you. And then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, this is broken. And so, but I didn't know how bad, like, and so I had to like call my boss and be like, well, I broke my leg and I couldn't go back to work for 14 weeks. Well, I couldn't walk for 14 weeks, but then it turned into five months of not working just with the recovery and everything because I had to learn how to walk again. So, Um, I definitely see it as like a blessing in disguise. And I never, I always did from the beginning. I was like, this is like God giving me a way to one rest because I felt like I deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, two, just like a second chance and like a light to show me that like all the years, even before I had my kids, I always used alcohol as a distressor because my dad's an alcoholic. So obviously when, even though I shouldn't use it, like I felt like when I have kids and stuff, like I go back to it because that's just what I know. Um, and cause of my addict personality. So, um, it just showed me that like, that's not the way to solve my problems anymore, especially if like it got, was starting to get to a point where like I was so intoxicated that I like fell, you know? So it was a blessing and I haven't used alcohol in a year now. So that's where I'm at with that. Was, uh, was the break of your, your leg was it your leg or your foot so the way that I like fell and like rolled my ankle and hit it I broke like my fibula but it also like 
shifted my ankle bones. So like my ankle, like all my pain was in my ankle, like next morning. And my, it was like super swollen. Apparently they didn't break, but the way the leg break shifted my ankle bone a little and like did the ligament damage. So like when they did my surgery, they had to put like pins and things in my fibula bone. And then they had to like, kind of like push my ankle bones back together. So then the ligaments could heal on their own. And that's why I couldn't walk for 14 weeks so that they could heal. And then once I was able to walk again, it was like a process. It was like, you know, using a, a walker and then a cane and then, um, and there was a lot of pain, like a lot of pain. And I still like to this day have pain. So it's like a constant reminder, you know, to like not do it. And like the day, the, we call this like, you know, in our world of storytelling and everything, it's like, the moment, the lying on the floor moment where we all discover like that we should live in our purpose and everything was the, the day after I had, sur or the day I had surgery, I was like lying on my couch in pain, obviously, like by myself in the middle of the night, not being able to sleep. And that's like when I, I promised God that I would never use alcohol to like de-stress my life ever again and like that's when I just went on this like total journey of like like self-development and self-discovery and I'm like I'm gonna write a, my book I've always wanted to and I got Christina who we met through as my confidence coach and you know just kind of surrounding myself with like like-minded women has like really helped change my life truthfully I mean it ch changed my life I don't regret any moment any pain none of it like it saved my life okay I just want to go back just okay so question you said that you don't you promise that you are not using alcohol as a means to de-stress are you allowing yourself to cons consume alcohol in other situations that don't involve stress? Um, yeah, like I went to my friends recently in California and I had like a beer, you know what I mean? Like it's, if I go to like, like a brewery or something, I'm not saying I'm not gonna like try one, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. more like the thing for me, it's like you have a bad day and you just, you know, you drink the whole bottle of Chardonnay by yourself. You know what I mean? Like right. that type of stuff. Like that's, that's where I'm at. But I mean, I honestly like don't really have a desire to. So it's like something like clicked in me and I, I like don't even think about it. Like, which is like, and my job is high stress. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I have like great days and I have days where I want to go home and cry. And, <laughs> but I know, you know what I mean? So the fact that once I went back and it was very hard to go back because 
um, you know, just someone else was like running my store and I had to fix a lot of stuff and it was very stressful. And the entire time I'm like proud to say that I did not once think about buying Chardonnay. So I don't know. It's like, it's just like a complete like mental switch in my mind that happened, which I'm really proud of and happy about. That is incredible. Yeah. How it just takes like a moment or just a decision where you make that switch, you cross the line and it's, yeah, you're not going back. I want to go back to uh, what you've said about uh, Christina, who we met through our confidence and success coach. And um, how did you, how did you find her and what other you said you love being around like-minded women and it's kind of changed your life. What led you, I guess, down that path? Well, I'll be on. I mean, even when I was in my chaos and drinking and you know what I mean? Just the chaos of life. I was like trying, you know what I mean? Like I would like work out and I was trying to like, watch what I eat. I was always like trying. And so I discovered podcasts before like all this happened. And Lori Harder is a really big influence in my life. And I've listened to almost every single one of her podcasts. And um, I one day was just right when I like broke my leg, I was just like consuming tons of information, you know what I mean? Just like reading and join. That's when people started doing like the online um, events and all that type of stuff because they were pivoting. Um, So I had listened to a podcast and I heard Christina get interviewed by Lori and then she um, talked about her decided to turn event, virtual event. And so I was like, well, I like her. She cusses like I do. So like, I just felt like we were like, like, I know that's funny, but I just clearly meant to be just like, I understand. I'm like, I'm a sailor. She's a sailor. So like, I'm like, so I went to her event and you know, learned a lot from all the women in there. And then she offered like a free um, coaching call. And Lori Harder, like has always put in my brain that you need to join a mastermind, you need to join a mastermind, you need, you know, just so I was like, when I met with her, she's like, so you're going to join. And I was like, yeah. And I like, didn't even think about it. And I like, didn't even talk to Chad about it. And it caused a little bit of trouble, but I like, just like charged my credit card and was like, okay, let's do this. Cause I, Lori says I need to join a mastermind. Yes. Finally <laughs> so putting I just, into yourself. Yeah. I just did it. And so, um, yeah, that's how I found her and that's how it started. Okay. And how far was that into your, uh, healing journey with your, with your break? Cause you were off for five months. Yeah. I think that I'm trying to think, I think it started in June. So I like broke my leg and like 
the end of April, had my surgery. No, end of March, had my surgery like the first week of April. And then, you know, started just like consuming lots of like self-development stuff and then started in June with Christina. So. Okay. So, so not very. Sorry, you're not very what? I said not very long after. And what else did you fill your time with? You said you consumed lots of self-development, podcasting. What else did you do in that time that you were off? Um, I read a lot of books. One of the favorite books that I read while I was gone was um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And, <laughs> and Get Out of Your Way you're like get out of your own way by Dave Hollis. So um those kind of helped me because I felt like with like my codependency and stuff, I you know, I let people take advantage of me and you know what I mean? I just am constantly trying, especially at work. I needed I needed to set really big boundaries with work and my you know, like my own life too. Like now I'm very mindful of taking time for myself. And so it's like when my kids go to sleep, I I have like an hour or two that I just like kind of sit in silence in my office and I, you know, read or write or do whatever. And then whenever I'm driving, I'm always listening to a podcast. I don't really like listening to music. So I just, I'm always trying to fuel my mind. And then also when I was, when I started with Christina, I also, my company offers 20 sessions a year for free of therapy. So I just went ahead and took those and that that's really helped too. And she's kind of just helped me like dive into like discovering like, you know, my issues. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we all all have them it's just a matter of yeah uncovering them and dealing with them so you can carry on was there anything that stuck out from therapy that you realized that was maybe holding you back or or keeping you in the space of always putting other people first and not having those clear set boundaries um I think like discovering that I am codependent was like a big thing because I don't know why when she said that I thought it meant that like I I didn't understand the term like I thought it was like meant that I relied on other people for things which I was like I don't really feel like I do that and then she's like no it means that like you are driven by needing other people to like need you and I was like okay you're right that's right like so (laughs) so just like honing in on like how important it is to like be aware that I'm codependent coupled with like boundaries because when you're codependent like you almost have like no boundaries because you're just so obsessed with people so they're just like I need this. And you're like, okay, let me, let me drop everything I'm doing and 
go save your life, but then you don't save your own life. So right. that's really was the biggest thing I've learned so far is where, what drives me and why it was driving me into the ground. So mm-hmm. I can still love people, but I don't need to like, and they can still like think I'm important and special to their life because that like fills my cup, you know, like I want people to like need me and want me, but like, how do I draw a line in the sand where it's like, okay, like today's my day off. Like, don't fucking talk to me. Right. Just kidding. I'll help you. exactly like I am similar or was similar to you too in that way where it's like I yeah take took care of everybody else for forever and then I came last always and then there's not enough time in the day so I mean you just don't get to yourself ever so in saying that you said that you've put up some boundaries you still like that validation or confirmation that people need you and like you, what have you done to then step into your self-worth and your self-love and knowing that, like, what do you do or have you done to validate your own greatness without needing other people's validation? I mean, I guess your own, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm still working on that um I definitely feel like more confident and then just you know doing the things that like writing and reading and the things that like fill me up give me validation you know like just like words and I don't know I do like a quote of the day on Instagram and I don't know why like that just like makes me happy like it me it helps me like I choose one with what like I'm going through in that day or whatever and it just kind of helps me stay grounded and it makes it does make me feel more like confident and like worthy like because I feel like I'm drawn in a way to like use my story and my things to like influence other people so like as I do little things and share my journey online it gives me like confidence in a way I don't know like so it's just like that's important to me and like starting to like write my story um but I do still struggle I mean I want to write this book I've been talking to Christina about writing a book for a while now but then I still feel like but so many people are writing a book like who cares about me who cares about my story you know what I mean like I get that voice in my head all the time but I really just need you know that taking action and doing it gives me the validation or coming on here and sharing my story or like being in other groups and like sharing my story like you know, you do get people like that say like, oh my gosh, this is so inspiring. So that gives you validation. So the more and more you do it, the more and more you get confident. So I'm still working on it, but uh, the more I step into my purpose, the stronger I get every day. 
Uh, I love that about you. I love that you are just being yourself, putting out the quote of the day related to your life and what speaks to you. And I feel like that is so powerful just to by just by being you and putting what speaks to you that you are inspiring and impacting so many people's lives and in you writing your book, your story and yeah, sharing your journey is definitely empowers others and inspires others. They can learn from what you've went through, take little aha moments, uh, little pieces of inspiration, uh, learn things. Where did you start? Where did you go? How you made it through? So I think that is so incredible that you share that part of you because you only have to be yourself and whoever aligns with who you are will show up and appreciate you and all the other people. It doesn't, you will, if you impacted one person with your book, that would be incredible. Although I know that you're going to impact so many more people, but just by sharing yourself with the world is such an incredible thing to do. Thank you. <laughs> so what, yeah, what, what is your, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what your book is going to be about? The one that I'm working on right now is basically um, about self-worth in girls from basically childhood to like college age. So a lot of my experiences and stuff like that, because I've had things that happened to me, like one thing is like, I, my dad and my grandpa, I was very close with growing up. And then they both like my grandpa molested me. And then my dad was an alcoholic. So just kind of losing the emotional attachment that I had to both of these men that were very like influential in my life completely like changed the trajectory. Tra I can't even say it. Change the course. Let's just use that <laughs> word because <laughs> I can say it today um, of my life and just, you know, influences like of I would say even like MTV and pop culture and magazines and just all the things that caused me to think that I wasn't worthy of much. So I just, you know, all the different things that we go through in childhood and junior high and high school and college and partying and, you know, being promiscuous and just all the things. But the over, overarching theme is just trying to help young women have self-worth and like take care of their mental health and things like that so that they don't feel like they have to do all these things that lead to feeling empty. So that's the first book. And then my second book will be after like leading up to like breaking my leg and like my discovery from there, but I feel like I'm still on that journey. So I'm writing the first half of my life right mm -hmm. now. I'm waiting for the rest to unfold so you can share it with us in your second book. Yes. Wow. That's the plan. <laughs> Love it. I will be one of the first people to purchase your book. 
I cannot wait till it is out in the world. Cause yeah, your story is really incredible. And there's so much that I don't know that, yeah, I can't wait to hear about and learn about because it sounds from all the things that you've been through and where you are today uh, is just like a 180 degree turn. I mean, it could have went, you you could be in such a different place right now. So it's just so incredible yeah. talking with you and see where you're at and where you're at in your headspace and kind of what led you there. So yeah, the break was a blessing, you say, and it changed the course and gave you a chance to kind of reevaluate your life. Yes. Yes, 100%. I mean, even if I could just help, like you said, one person or anyone just like know that they're not alone and know that other people have been through it, but it's kind of like a, if I knew then what I know now type of situation, like what would I have done different, you know, because, you know, I feel like all these things and I can sit there and say, I don't ever like really live in regret either. I mean, I did a lot of crazy shit when I was younger, you know what I mean? And in the moment I, you know, you think like I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't, but you just, for whatever reason, you're so stuck and you just keep doing it. And I feel like I was supposed to do all those things for whatever reason to stop others from doing it. So Mm. I'm on a journey to just share my story and hope that at least five 20 year olds stop partying it up and, you know, use their energy to like change the world with their gifts, not waste it on alcohol and sex or, you know, whatever we, we do that just wastes our time. That's Mm -hmm. what I, I waste time. Like we have girls in our group that are like 20, 24. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I was like them and got this (laughs) shit when I was 24 and not 30 fucking seven. (laughs) Uh, I know I was having a conversation with Christina um, and saying, oh my gosh, when the girls revealed like how old they were, all of us girls that were a little bit older were like, oh my gosh, you don't even know how lucky you are that you've discovered that you're in this place so young. Um, yeah. Like you say too, I feel like all of your experiences uh, have led you to where you are and in divine timing and that you probably wouldn't be where you are today unless you have been through some of the the hard stuff and learn different lessons and kind of figured out what you didn't want to do also. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I don't change any of it. So I'm just going to learn from it and move forward. It's all you can do. Yes. And share with the world because yeah, they could definitely take some good info from you and change the course of their lives from your story. Okay, I have a few questions to end off here. Uh, The first one, I want to know what are some of your favorite things to do for self-care? Well, writing. And I also just, I do love like walking outside, listening to a podcast, 
when I get a moment to. Um, but also reading a lot. I like, I love to read and learning from other people and their experiences is, and like their takes on things they've been through. Like some of my favorite podcasts are like interviews with people who like have just been through like shit storms, you know what I mean? And like how their perspective is just so like amazing after even something awful has happened to them. Like, I don't know, that's really something that I enjoy a lot and spend a lot of time um, in self-care. I mean, I do love a good massage occasionally, maybe a facial um, <laughs> and a pedicure, but those are more like once a month type of things, but daily, definitely like podcasts and reading. My big I love thing that. In writing. Awesome. Uh, what are three things that you love about yourself? Um, I do love that I'm compassionate towards others. Um, and I also feel like I can see not only the positive in everybody, but like the positive in like every situation. So it's like, even if, even if in the moment, like I'm like super stressed out or why is this happening? And then I'll be like, okay, well, this is why this is a good thing. You know what I mean? So, and I always try to focus on the positive on every human. So that's a big thing. Um, I don't really not like anyone because of it. And I think it makes life easier. Um, and then I'm like, I don't know. This is always so hard. <laughs> that's why I love to ask it because it's so funny because that's your personality. You can see the good in others, but to actually think about and say out loud what you love about yourself is yeah. such a difficult thing especially for adults, I find. So yeah, I can't wait to hear number three. I think I love my sense of humor too. I mean, I, it's like, I always like used to like, like dream of being like a stand-up comic when I was like younger, but I don't like, I'm so afraid of stages. So it was like probably never going to happen. And I'm but I'm like that person. I like have that joke and I like reuse it on like everybody and to see, <laughs> see if they laugh. And usually they do. So I think I'm, I like to think I'm funny. I like to make people laugh. I'm Love very it. sarcastic, but. Love it. Uh, my next question. Okay. Do you ever find yourself slipping back into the full throttle mode? And if so, what are the war some of the warning signs? Yes. I mean, when I first went back to work, I felt like I hit the ground running. And so I sort of saw myself like going back. But it's also hard when you're like a manager, you kind of like sign up for kind of a on-call, like, you know what I mean? Like if nobody shows up to work, like it's you. You know, like, it's just the way it is. So, um, but I think that the difference is, is like trying to stay focused on like 
this time around. Like I'm still even on like the worst days taking time to like, even if I can't like move my body, I'm feeling my mind constantly. So just, and then, you know, on certain weeks when it's not as crazy, maybe go home early or I take an extra day off. I mean, I have like almost like five weeks of vacation. So actually taking it, you know what I mean? And not feeling bad about it. And, you know, like this week we even had like a lot of crazy stuff happening. And I was like, normally I would have stayed till whenever to fix the problem. And I was like, no, I have lunch at two. So I got to go. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not breaking my plans. Like we'll fix it tomorrow. So it's like fixed. If you can help me by doing some of this problem, if not, I'll figure it out tomorrow. Like that's all we can do. So just being a lot more, like I said, like setting boundaries and knowing that, and also communicating with my team that like, I'm not like, this is important to me. This is, you know, I need time. I matter too. Like, this is not the only thing that is important in my life. So having more things to focus on besides just my job, which I think was like my problem before has really helped. Mm. Have you noticed a shift in your staff since you kind of started changing who you were or, or becoming more of yourself, I guess, and honoring your priorities? Have you noticed a big shift in them or do they honor that about you? I do. Well, because I know that, I mean, I'll, there's probably about 20 of them that were with me before I broke my leg and they all really like loved and cared about me. And so they, you know, I see them trying really hard to also make sure, hold me accountable to not getting back to that place, you know? So, um, and I just, I'm very like honest with my staff. Like if I'm having a bad day, I don't sugarcoat it. If I'm having a good day, we have fun, you know what I mean? But if I need time, I tell them, but I'm also very supportive of them. So in turn, when I think you're very supportive and loving and caring to your staff, they do in turn do the same for you. Mm. So they're, you know, I try to like, I don't know. It's hard to keep 20 year olds happy. I know. Cause I was once, you know what I mean? They just have a different, <laughs> but I try, I put a quote of the day up in my lobby and give them Ted talks every week, but. Oh my gosh. You know, I love I that. Only... <laughs> I want to be a fly on the wall and hear your Ted talks and get your quotes. Oh I literally quotes. like go, thanks for coming to my Ted talk. Like I'll, cause we have this app we use and I like have this like every Monday, like, a, like be kind to people. Oh my gosh. That is love true. yourself. I be friends. Don't gossip. Thanks for coming to TED Talk. <laughs> uh, that is genius. I absolutely love it. <laughs> okay, here's my next question. Uh, in what ways are you a better mom, leader, and partner when you put self-care at the top of your priority list? 
Well, I think it's like I have more energy to do it. I mean, I've also, one self-care thing I've really been prioritizing a lot is like sleep too, or before, you know what I mean? Like if some weeks, like I write more than other weeks and it might just because I'm freaking tired. So I have to like, listen to my body and sleep. And so, <laughs> sorry, prioritize, like being able to like prioritize like my health overall, like I'm finding it easier to make time for like playing pretty, pretty princess with my kids and enjoying it instead of feeling like it's something I have to add to my list. Mm. You know what I mean? Or like, okay, well, like, let's get it over with. Cause I don't have time. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like let mommy take her shower because she really wants one. She feels gross. And then we can make a craft. You know what I mean? So just being more mindful of that. And then I'm also just like more present when I am with them. So, you know, and I don't feel like, I feel like for a while towards the end of before I broke my leg, like everyone and everything like irritated the shit out of me and I feel bad, but even my kids, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, now what, what do you want now? You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, I'm starting to like, since I take care of myself, like I'm more willing to like do extra things and take care of my family better than I did before. Right now, everybody still gets a little piece of you, but the time that they get with you, the quality is way better. You're more present and you're more energized and happy to be in those situations because you've actually taken care of yourself and put your needs as a priority. I mean, I do sometimes feel bad because I start to feel like I'm becoming too selfish at times, but you know what I mean? But it's like, I need to do that. Like, I don't like if they're not going to have like a good mom, if I, you know, I feel like in a weird way, God gave me twins because it's kind of nice because they like entertain each other. So then I can like, because forever I was like, why did he give me two at the same time? Like, I just don't understand this. And like, I'm starting to like discover, I think it's because I can still fulfill my need and want that I always had to like be a mother, but it also with them entertaining each other gives me time to like pursue my purpose in life. And I can still like love them and take care of them and take them to do fun things and do crafts. But when mommy has things that are important to her that she needs to do, then they can go play with each other. That makes sense. So hundred percent. That's kind yes. of like what I've discovered recently. What a great discovery. And just because you don't, you don't spend every waking moment with your child. you doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're going to learn so much from, us following our purpose and our passion that like you know maybe we didn't learn from our own parents because I mean my parents just like grinded at jobs they didn't even like for 50 years you know what I mean like yeah. where I'm gonna be a role model to them that they can do and be whoever they want to be so 
And it's possible to be a mom and love your kids and be a partner and love your partner, but also like be whoever you're supposed to be. A hundred percent. And you've said, you've said a couple of times now that you want to live in your purpose or, you know, what, like, what do you mean when you say living in your purpose, what you were born to do? What is that for you? I mean, I've always, I mean, to me, it's writing. It's always been easy for me, like my whole life. And even as a child, like I've felt in my heart, like that I should write a book. And I used to always like pretend I was an only child. So there was like a lot of pretending by yourself. And so I would like even pretend that like Oprah would like, I would be in Oprah's like book club and she would like interview me. And so I don't, I just really feel like my purpose is like writing, writing books, writing anything. I just, I've always felt this like strong need to like influence women um, with my story. Like just it's been like on my heart for like a long time. I'm just now finally like brave enough to. Yay. Oh my God. Yeah. So <laughs> happy that you're stepping into that. Yeah. And I think even like maybe as I learn and grow myself, I kind of have this thought of eventually like kind of helping other people share their story like through how I took the steps or helping other people that want to write a book. Once I finish my book, like helping them like with, you know, social media and marketing or pub, like how to get self-published or whatever that looks like. That's just like a thought in my head, but I don't know. The world is my oyster. Right. <laughs> I know the world is your oyster. As soon as you decide to step in and be courageous, I mean, you can get whatever you set your heart out to. Yeah. I love that. Okay. My next question is what are three of the greatest lessons that have come from you breaking your leg? Um, don't be an alcoholic. <laughs> love it <laughs> such a simple statement but that's so much yeah so much bragging. yeah um which basically in turn comes to like don't use you know negative sources to solve your problems um uh take care of yourself mentally I think is almost more important than physically most of the time um and then boundaries setting lots of boundaries in order to not be an alcoholic and take care of yourself mentally so <laughs> it all goes together so those are my three biggest things love it Okay. My last, my final question, not everybody's going to literally be stopped in their tracks with a broken bone. So what do you say to the person who's living your old story? The person who is at rock bottom, 
knows change is the only option, but does not know where to begin? Um, I, I want to say, I mean, probably the whole entire, like, like six months before I felt like I was like, you shouldn't do this. Like, this isn't the answer. You know what I mean? So you have that voice and like, even when you're like doing it and like, you know, like it's wrong and you shouldn't, and it's not doing anything to help you, then I think it's important to listen to that voice. Um, and just start like, just have a talk with yourself, pray, do anything and just stop buying the thing that is cause, you know, whatever, if it's alcohol, marijuana, whatever it is, like maybe it's cupcakes. I don't know the things that like you're using to like fill voids, like just try whatever you can to like tell yourself, no, like I don't do that anymore. And don't just the act of like not going to the store and buying it helps. I do believe that some people need a rock bottom. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know that there's anything besides that that's going to help them. Um, but I just think that it's like, just know that like, that's not going to fill your cup. It's only going to leave you empty. So instead of like using, taking, taking the time that you're using to like invest the money and the time to like drink or do whatever, like find different things to like fill you up and take time to write or ride a bike or whatever makes you happy. Like you just need to start filling that time with those things instead of the negative thing. What a great piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Cause that is a hundred percent what it is, right? Filling your time with all the negative things, finding different things to fill the time that actually fill your waste. Mm -hmm. Cause you're just wasting time when you do those things too. And when you think of it that way, you're wasting time and you're wasting money and time is the mo even more valuable than money. You don't ever get it back You can always make more money, but like our time is precious and anything can happen. And I think like this past year has shown us, it's like, you never know what's gonna happen. Like, so you have to like take action and you can't just keep, and don't just keep like wallowing in like self-pity or depression. Like there's so many things you can do to like get help. Like don't be afraid of a therapist or get a life coach or join a women's group of women who are like, you know, there's so many things out there, especially with like Zoom. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, I have a book club a, and like, half of the women in it live in Canada and like the other half are dispersed across the United States. And like, we've never even met each other, but like, you know, we read books and we talk about them and we talk about how we're going to like use them to help our lives. And then I even met you through a mastermind and you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's so many things out there these days to like help us like 
not well on whatever negativity is in our life. And then also just living in gratitude, like being grateful for what you have and where you're at makes you actually richer, in my opinion. I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. It is incredible. And I am so happy that you're on this side of your journey, that you decided to make a shift when, when you could have easily chose the other road. And I cannot wait until you publish your book and share your story with the world. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me, Candace. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you today. Thank you. I have loved every minute of it. It was fun. We should do this again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.